Three, two, one. Subscribe, support, and stay positive. That was the intro that was used for quite a while, and I think he's still using it from my boy, Tommy NC 2010. Oh, really? Yeah. Didn't Very know good. that one. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. How are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? This is I'm awesome, yeah. This is Sardonicast. Sardonicast. I'm Adam from Your Movie Sucks. I'm Ralph from YouTube.com slash Ralph and Movie. And I'm Alex from I Hate Everything. Great. <laughs> How was your week? It's okay. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't really like December. Yeah, it's stressful. Too much yeah. to do. Too little time. Yeah, Lots shit. of gifts to buy. Lots of money spent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got some of that sweet Sardonicast merch, by the way. Oh, you it's got great. it? It just arrived. Yeah. Very, very nice quality. Okay, great. Oh, hell yeah. 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 If anybody still needs a Christmas gift, it might show up mm-hmm. in time. I got, it. I got it for my family. Yeah. They're going to love it. Oh, actually, my brother listens to this, so I didn't get it. I, I lied. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't get anything for just, you. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Give it to him the day before this episode releases. Yeah. I'll just Early tell him not to listen to this. <laughs> listen to this on December 26th. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I find it increasingly difficult to figure out what to get people. You know? Because it's like, if yeah. there's a really good idea, I've probably already gotten it for them. I never have trouble with that. I'm really good at getting gifts for people. It's one of my many talents. <laughs> very few talents, actually. I just, I know what people want, and I, I'm usually very generous with the gifts. I don't know. Never have issues with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm usually generous. So you're the Santa Claus of the cast. Yeah. Oh, we're all generous. I just yeah. like, I don't know, I meet people like 10 minutes in, I'm like, I know what I could get them for Christmas. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I figured it out anyway. I mean, I think I got everybody, everything I need to. Oh, yeah. If there's somebody I forgot, then I feel terrible. I've got so much shit going on. I'm a busy boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a busy boy too. So we got some uh, movie news that we're going to talk about. Um, More remakes? More really reboots? Really epic news too. Yeah, well, I mean, if we want to start with remakes and reboots, we could talk about the the motion poster of Sonic the Hedgehog, which oh, uh, has been making its rounds on Twitter. It looks uh, it looks incredible. It looks really creepy. It honestly looks. <laughs> Who's playing it again? Talking about it. it looks brilliant. Yeah, I know. It looks pretty awesome, I gotta say. And I'm usually not a fan of like reboots and remakes, but I'm really excited for this Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, movie. I don't believe either of you are being serious. Yeah. <laughs> ben Schwartz is Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, Jim Carrey is in it. He plays Doctor Robotnik, the bad guy. Yeah, he's oh. Robotnik. Oh, okay. That should great. be funny. He hasn't done anything for a while. That's so is it weird. CG or is I it going to be like so. him no, in, live a, in makeup? What? It's live oh, action. Really? Jim Carrey? There? What? Is he going to put I, on like I a swear, fat suit? Or... I swear that was the news story, right? That Jim Carrey was going to be live yeah, action. Yeah, Jim Carrey's in it. Huh. It looks really weird. Anymore. Just the poster alone, it, it's disturbing. It's like Uncanny Valley. <laughs> you know? It looks like yeah. someone's just like photoshopped uh, the silhouette of Sonic's head over someone just crouching. Yeah. It's a weird body. <laughs> it, it Like already, it, it just feels like this is going to fall into the same vein as, as Detective Pikachu, where it's like, do we really need animation to look more realistic like what's the point of animation then 
I know. You know? Photorealistic like Sonic. Wow, what a great idea. There's this medium that we can use to express ourselves creatively, and we're stripping away the creativity and substituting it with real life, apparently. Yeah. It's, it's too expensive, weird. man. Animation is too expensive. It's probably way cheaper for them to just only CG Sonic and everyone else just be people. Well, I'm talking about the animation you know? itself, too. I, like, the... When when we're looking at things like the Detective Pikachu and the Lion King remake, it's it, it's like yeah, it's animated, oh, but you're you're basically just making them way too realistic that you know it might as well not be animated. I mean, yeah, I guess... take out all the yeah the art direction, the creativity and style. Yeah, it reminds me of that. Remember the Robert Zemeckis movies that were like. Oof, animated yeah. but realistic. <laughs> yeah. It Those reminds me of that. Like Polar Yeah, you're like it's Beowulf. kinda human, but it's not. Beowulf, you're like, what the fuck? That was like, all like mocap people. Was, wasn't it? Yeah. But it's like weird mocap. Like, I know. Some of it's animated. It's disturbing. Their yeah. eyes are soulless. <laughs> yeah. Like Mars needs moms. Those aliens were fucking My favorite weird. One, yeah. yeah. And then the humans look like aliens too. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think it's all gimmicks. Tintin actually did that well, thinking back on it. That's like the only thing I think did it well. It was really stylized though, wasn't it, really? Yeah, it was. They exaggerated it a lot. So it, it had... I don't know. I'm not a big that animation guy. That was a guy, but they Spielberg made one, right? Yeah. Peter Jackson was involved too, mm-hmm. I think. He was supposed to make another one. That never happened. He had to make The Hobbits instead. And those turned out great. Are we getting a Sonic movie and a Mario movie in the same year? Are we getting a Mario movie? Is there a Mario what? movie? What? You didn't know about this? I didn't know. The Minions guys are making a Mario movie. There's so what? many things happening. <laughs> There's so many remakes, I can't it's, keep it's, track of all of them. Yeah, I'm pretty I sure never it's even an heard animated film. Yeah. Oh. Illumination <laughs> are making a Mario Bros. movie. How did <laughs> you subscribe no. about this? I, didn't know, I had no idea about this. Yeah, man. Guys, Illumination just make Yeah, because Illumination made it, obviously, but... Jesus Christ. <laughs> We're in a great era for films. <laughs> yeah, we're fucked. <laughs> Honestly, no new ideas. I, I, I don't know if it's ever been this bad. I was trying to find interesting stories to talk about on the show. I was just going through various, like, movie news websites, and it... No joke, every story is just about superhero movies. <laughs> yeah. Like, I saw an article about how Charlie Theron cried about Black Panther because it was so profound. Like that's the that's the best serious? news story I found. <laughs> yeah, I'm like Charlie Theron, really? You give that much of a shit about Black Panther? Whatever. Um, speaking of superhero movies, there's a new Avengers trailer. Yeah. Did you watch it? That's right. Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, yeah, I saw it. I don't know. It was a very teasy tease. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's a tease. I'm definitely gonna watch the movie. I liked the first, uh, the 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 what what was it called? Infinity the Infinity War. War. Yeah, I liked that one. Mm-hmm. But the trailer for this one, I don't know. It it doesn't. I'm I'm sure it doesn't reflect the actual film that much because you're right. It was really kind of teasy, but the trailer was kind of bad. The trailer was kind of just like it... jerking itself off the whole time. Yeah, it was an average teaser. Like I'm they sure they haven't finished the the CG animation, so they had to yeah, show they probably like, they, they didn't show any Thanos, so they probably didn't finish any of that yet. Mm. So. Yeah. When's it coming I out? I don't know. I don't, I don't like the title year? either. Endgame, really? Like that's the best thing you could come up with. It's not that bad. It's fine. Endgame. It fits. 
It's the yeah, end yes. game. I thought it was a good trailer compared to the other Marvel trailer that came out. The uh, what? the what's her name? The woman. Oh, Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah, Captain Marvel. Where it said hero and then the O disappeared. It said her. I'm like, wow. <laughs> It's going to be fucking pandering bullshit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that one doesn't look great. <laughs> yeah, does not look very it. good. I have zero opinion on that. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Again, I'll give it a chance. I don't hate women. What? <laughs> I don't hate women. I know. It's crazy. I just don't think it looks that good. Well, what about uh, Aquaman? You guys hyped for that one? Oh, I, yeah. I no, that looks even worse. So <laughs> I'm, the, uh, Apparently, I'm... it made like $100 million in China. Like, oh, China, China loved it. Yeah, it's out in China, and it made, it's a big blockbuster there. Yeah. It fucking did so well. It's got great critic and user reviews. Really? Yeah. I didn't check. One well, Metacritic it's... is at 53 at the moment. Oh, okay, never mind. Oh. Maybe it was just the <laughs> early ones. Yeah, because those are all the fans who see it. As soon as the critics were just starting to review it, there was like, oh, this is, good. This is gonna be actually good? And then I didn't really look into it more. Yeah. Because I'm going to watch it either way. Those were the, Aquaman, uh, the Aquaman fans, all ten of them. They went in and they loved it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm hyped for it, man. Can't wait. Yeah, it'll be bad, but I think it'll be funny. I don't know. So there is a uh, there's an article <laughs> that came out. The uh, British Film Institute vows not to fund movies with facial scarred villains anymore. Uh, as part of a hashtag campaign, hashtag I am not your villain, so that people with scars on their face don't feel oppressed. Really? Great. Yep. Yeah. No, this is real. That's, I'd, that's I'd heard the dumbest this. thing I've ever heard. So the floodgates are open then, basically. Like, yeah. N- next up, there'll be another campaign for amputee like victims or whatever so then Mm -hmm. that will never be allowed to be in movies and and soon you won't be allowed to make movies about anyone yeah i mean it's cliche for sure but it's cliche but sometimes it fits yeah some i mean the joker (laughs) yeah joker right that's a great one you know like like there's 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 tons where where it fits Um, and I can understand the reasoning behind it, but I just, it, it's such a strange battle to choose out of all of the things that you could possibly say, I'm not funding this anymore because it's, uh, an unhealthy trope that is, you know, detrimenting society or whatever scars mm-hmm. on faces. Is that like a, a really big deal? Cause it's, it's about, can you, it's name about offending five? people. Scars can be hot. I don't know. You know? Chicks yeah. dig scars. Yeah, I knew a girl with a scar. It was pretty cute. It was like right around her nose. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't I don't get it. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> if we're if we're looking at villains, usually I iconic villains are much more loved than the actual superheroes themselves. Like how many people do you see yeah. doing Joker impersonations and cosplay compared to Batman? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So clearly, exactly. there isn't that much of a uh, stigma against the characters themselves. Like, I, 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 I'd be interested to hear some sort of data on whether or not people with facial scars are mistreated in society specifically because of movies, not just because of yeah. people thinking they look weird or something. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's just silly. How many people tweeted it out? Like, how many people were part of this hashtag? I don't to know. Where it convinced, like, how many could it, could it have been? How many people care? It's, it's just not a prolific thing in media, though, really, is it? I know. Like, there's what? Uh, all I can think of is <laughs> Scar from The Lion King, which doesn't even count. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a lion. It's like it's an animated lion. I guess um, the villain in Skyfall, that James Bond movie, has kind of got like a Scar thing going on. Remember that scene where he takes that thing out of his mouth? But that's that like his his face was like blown up or something, right? Yeah, I think like I'm stretching to even think of examples. Like, yeah, what, it's like just it's such, such a weird. Oh, Blowfield, I guess, from Spectre. Like, remember, Christoph Waltz's face got messed up, and he had like a scar on the right side of his head. I don't remember. It's a that silly cliche. <laughs> yeah, that movie kind of sucks. <laughs> but, like, it's a silly cliche, but like, it's enough that it's a trope for sure. But yeah. But if you're sitting there watching a movie and you have a scar and you like genuinely get offended that a, a movie villain has a scar, it's like, dude, in real life, people don't think you're like a super villain because you have a scar on your face. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just a very strange battle to choose. It is. It's so strange that we're actually like talking about this now. That people actually go like band together. I guess it's a good thing because we have like no real problems to talk about, even though we do. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But it's just crazy. <laughs> That's my issue. Like, with like it. millions of people are addicted to opioids and shit in this country. Like, we're talking about fucking scars on faces. Well, oh, God. this is the British Film Institute. Yeah, I guess British. Yeah, Film true. Institute. We have. You no guys might have do. a drug problem too. Is there an opioid crisis in Britain? We have um, an insane drug problem here. I mean, yeah. where yeah. it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But now let's all talk about the scars on movie villains. <laughs> so Hashtag silly. I am not your villain. I have a scar on my elbow. Does that mean anything? I think we all have a scar somewhere. Yeah, I have a few scars. Yeah. Mm. Scars are cool. Yeah. I think scars are yeah, pretty I always thought awesome. like, like video game characters always have scars. Like the epic protagonist always yeah. has them. Yeah. Like John like Marston a... has a fucking scar. Yeah. Dead. I love that shit. badass. Yeah. Yeah. It shows like you have some like history, like you've been through some shit. Yeah, it oh, serves some cool. sort of a narrative purpose, and oftentimes yeah. villains, you know, they have some sort of a backstory where they they weren't always a villain, and then something happened to them, or at least you know it shows that they've been in some sort of a fight, or that they're tough, or you know, it, it adds something. It's not completely. Yeah, it actually useless. builds sympathy somewhat. Like, like this person's actually been through something, and that's partly why he's a villain now, because he had he went through this struggle. I think Tom Hardy's character in The Revenant had that too, right? You know, it's a much more common feature of villains than scars on their face. Being male, why don't we just stop having male villains? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I'm offended because all villains in movies are men. Yeah, we we yeah. could be Let's choosing that, that hashtag. battle. <laughs> It makes yeah. as much sense. That's what I mean. <laughs> it like, does. Once it sets like a precedent of like, oh, well, that group over there got angry over their thing and they got what they wanted. This group over here who's angry about something else, why don't we start a thing and we can get that banned too? So it's just like this, this cycle yeah. that's, uh, it's, it's embarrassing. It's very it's really weird. Not like, that big of an issue. The audience has such a control over art now. 
Like it, people can speak up and they actually influence the artist's decisions. Like, like, you know, if my villain's going to have a scar or not. And I don't know if an audience should have that much control. No, over it shouldn't. Cause then someone's every film vision. that comes out will just be Black Panther. Like, unchallenging, <laughs> yeah. completely yeah. mediocre and, and bland in every way. Like, like who wants exactly what you want? Like, why do you, why do you want to go into a movie and get everything exactly what you want? Like, don't you want someone else to come in with a different vision and show you something you might not have even heard, like, thought of before? Like, I think that's what makes movies interesting. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's very strange. I, I don't think the average audience member wants to be challenged very much when they experience a film, to be perfectly honest. I think most yeah, people want something familiar and safe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think there's a certain level of that, but I think there's also a certain level of seeing something different. And I think that compels people. I, I still think it does. Because we like there's a lot of familiar safe movies that come out that do horrible. And then something different comes out, like I don't know, Get Out. And Get Out was a huge success. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I think I think it's a misjudgment of what people want. I think a small group of people are fucking annoying and they they go on about some random shit and everyone treats them seriously. Speaking of that, Kevin Hart uh, was announced as the Oscars host and then stepped down after, what, 24 hours? It was really Mm -hmm. quick. Well, he... What happened? He had some homophobic tweets in the past, right? And he deleted them and people caught on. Homophobic tweets and statements and comedy routines like it there wasn't nothing i'm gonna say that and i i disagree that he he would step down and i disagree that there was so much pressure put on him i think he should be able to host the oscars just fine but it wasn't it wasn't like nothing yeah yeah what he tweet um well like joke tweets those are fine whatever but um one that kind of stuck out to me as as being kind of like, huh, really? Was um, he he stated that he would never play a gay character because he was afraid of people thinking that he would be gay. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, eh. like, yeah, like I get that. it. It's that's your personal weird. choice. But that's like it, you know, it kind of it. It kind of speaks towards your own insecurities in a way. And I think he's been open about yeah. that. And I think he's admitted that it is his own insecurity. And I don't think it's coming from any kind of like, you know, really hateful or or um, bigoted place. Malicious. But it is it is one of those mm-hmm. things where it's like, eh, well, what is what is acting? What is playing a character anymore? Are you admitting that? Yeah every character you you play is essentially just yourself and that you're not really an actor and that you don't <laughs> play characters. Well, Adam, does. that's kind of true. I, I never yeah. considered Kevin Hart an actual actor. Yeah. So he's like a comedian who fucking plays himself and everything, which is okay. But, I mean... Yeah. I think it well. speaks more towards his professionalism than anything else. But mm-hmm. still, he should be able to host the Oscars. I don't have any issue with that. It's just it's just tweets or like it's just not a good idea to tweet anything out like that because without context or you you know you can't detect his sarcasm you can't detect anything so you're just like are you being serious and then there's the whole shit with James Gunn too yeah. where he he had that whole tweet some stupid tweet and and he got fired off the Avengers for it or not Avengers uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 
the James Gunn situation was even worse, in my opinion, because yeah. James Gunn didn't step down under pressure. You know, Kevin Hart was yeah, told was by fired. the Oscars, by the Academy, hey, you should apologize or or else you can't do this. And then he was like, OK, well, I'm not apologizing, so I'm just going to not not do this. He mm-hmm. probably saw all this controversy coming because of those tweets, and that's why he deleted them. It's like <laughs> tweets. These tweets just cause nothing but trouble. Yeah. In the in this situation with James Gunn, it's like that was the furthest thing from being serious at all. With Kevin Hart, there's like oh, there's yeah. something there where it's like, eh, hmm, you know. Yeah, you're <laughs> like, right. You're but, totally right. But James Gunn, there, it was literally like the whole point of the tweets that he had was that it's so absurd and so edgy that you're not supposed to take it seriously. Like, the whole point of the joke was that it was edgy humor. Like, haha, this is offensive. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. like, like, and those it was tweets the furthest were from five years ago, many... too, with James Gunn. Oh, yeah. They were so So it's old. like, you take a joke from five years ago, and humor was, more was very different years. back then. I think it was, then. like, eight years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah eight like years ago. I think it was when he was still yeah, directing, like, like Everyone's like, sense super. of humor was so different. Right, and Super kind of has that sense of humor too. Exactly, very, James like... Gunn used to make very edgy kind of movies too. You know, it was in mm-hmm. line with what yeah, he was you doing. Mean to tell me, you mean to tell me that Disney didn't do any sort of checks on this guy before hiring him to direct a two hundred and fifty million dollar budget movie? There's no, there's no way they just bowed down to the pressure from social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Disney's like that. But I think that. they should just ignore these people. Like, really. It's like, okay, he tweeted a dumb thing eight years ago, and it was funny back then. It might not be funny now, but it was eight years ago. And you're going to take it out of context and fire the guy? It's fucked up. Not saying that about Kevin Hart. What Kevin Hart said, obviously, is a little more, like you said, Adam, it's a little more, eh, do you There's mean something it? there. Are you but, actually homophobic? You know, yeah. I, I mean, the way I see it is like, I'm kind, I'm kind of a determinist, and let's not go into that <laughs> territory of debate, but <laughs> yeah. everybody has a reason for being who they are. Everybody has a different upbringing. And if somebody, you know, nobody is the perfect version of themselves and everybody is a work in progress. And Mm -hmm. I I just feel like to completely outcast somebody and to completely discredit and delegitimize them just because they're, you know, they say one stupid thing or have a stupid opinion on, on an issue or something like that. I, I, I disagree with that because, you know, that, that, that describes everybody. There's nobody that, that mm-hmm. has a, a perfect outlook on the world or behaves perfectly. So it's like, you could, you could dig up tweets from literally anybody. And the people that I want to see in media and in general are people that are honest about their opinions and actually say what they yeah. mean. But, Right now, it's like, okay, well, the only sellable, marketable people that exist are people that hide their opinions, are people that are essentially just being dishonest for the sake of being marketable and not showing any side of themselves because, you know, somebody's going to get offended by something. Exactly. And And all these stars are just very bland as a result. It's like, oh, you got like this perfect guy yeah. who has no opinion on anything. Great. I'm going to project <laughs> my own personality onto this person and believe that they're <laughs> who I am because they are a blank slate. Yeah. What's interesting about that? I mean, I don't like Kevin Hart and I don't like the Oscars and I could give a fuck. 
But Kevin Hart worked very hard to get where he was. And mm-hmm. to host the Oscars, I imagine, must have been a huge deal for him. Like, wow, I'm going to host the Oscars. It's going to be incredible. Yeah. And just for all that to go down the tubes because of just some stupid shit he said in a tweet, of all things, it's like it sets a weird precedent. It's a very weird time we're living in now. Like, oh, you're just going to hide all your opinions about everything. Otherwise, you're literally just not going to get work anymore. That's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. What what do these people want, though? These people who find these old tweets and report them and share them. Like, what is their end goal? They're just mean. They're just mean and empty people, I think. (laughs) And they just want to tear down other people. I think that's partly it. Yeah. I think they just get off on it. Yeah. And and that we actually treat them with some legitimacy is even worse. That's the that's the biggest thing. Like it it gives way more power to the words when um the response from these huge companies is so drastic, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Like like what James what happened with James Gunn? Like <laughs> it just yeah. totally goes against everything he stood for, and and it it's such a like insult to their working relationship. Yeah. James Gunn fucking is the reason Guardians of the Galaxy worked as well as it does. Yeah, He's I the agree. reason. 100%. Absolutely. And they just, everything he did, all that hard work, and they just like, all right, you're, you're out of here, and we're going to bring someone else in. Your baby? Fuck you. It's our baby. Yeah. We own it. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. That's horrible. I can't imagine what he felt that's, being kicked uh, off. That's just, just how the uh, studio system works. Look at uh, Frank yeah. Darabont. You know, same thing happened to him. What happened Sorry, with him? it's not yours True, anymore. Yeah. Well, he—he's the entire reason why The Walking Dead was. Uh, oh yeah. What it what it is, and you know, he he brought so much success to the network. It's their most successful show, I think. Absolutely. And uh, he didn't even say anything though. He just wanted more money, right? <laughs> Legitimately, he's like, okay, it's a popular show. I want more money to make it, and they said, nah. And they the, kicked him off. He, right? Well, I mean, like they they slashed his budgets. So like he didn't even oh, have they, as wow. much as the first season, and they they Jesus. requested that he make twice as many episodes for less money, and he was like, well, uh, I can't really do the show this way because of the the budget. Like we're we're all working for way under our pay grade here, and and they actually sent him notes. AMC literally sent him notes that said things like, can't we just hear the zombies instead of seeing them? Because we'll save money on makeup. <laughs> Literally, I'm not even kidding. It's insane that these people making the decisions have zero connection with what makes the show work, and all they're looking to do is save some money. And what's sad about it is it works. It's the most popular show on TV. Yeah. Well, that's why it turned into a a fucking soap opera with zombies sometimes. <laughs> You know? Yeah, they're all just in the woods walking around. Yeah, <laughs> straight from season two, the most garbage season. Well, it's probably gotten a lot worse, honestly. But I, I haven't been keeping up. Oh, it up has. With it. Yeah, I, I check has. in every once in a while. It's it's so bad. <laughs> it's dreadful. Uh-huh. But <laughs> that's they, just what happens. Keep it going. Because like you're yeah. when when you work in the studio system, it's not yours. You know, you've signed over your rights. It's you. You don't own anything. It's not your project anymore, and uh, mm-hmm. that's why a lot of the great films that we we see are from independent artists, you know, writing and directing their own 
their own material. You know, we yeah. see films like Anomalisa, where Dino Stamtopoulos literally just gave them money and said, do whatever you want. Didn't have any sort of overseeing uh, restrictions to place on Charlie Kaufman and Duke Johnson. And, you know, that that mm-hmm. it's it's an issue, but uh, studios are where the big money is. So, yeah, if you're working with big franchises, I understand the producers should have some role in it because oh, they're giving course. hundreds of millions of dollars. But like there's a point where you got to trust the artist. And I think the the amount of control they have over these things now and the amount of like test screenings and audience interaction, it's making all the the talented people just fucking leave. And they all mm-hmm. go to Netflix because Netflix just gives them $40 million to do whatever and, and they're happy. Or they go to the internet and make stuff. They make great original content on the internet where they can just release it themselves to an audience who can watch it. it mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's, I think it's a good thing that all, they're all leaving the studio system. Because, I mean, all the studio system wants is fucking Aquaman and bullshit like that. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, man. (laughs) Speaking of bullshit, um, (laughs) the new YouTube Rewind is a thing. Everyone's favorite. One of the most disliked videos on YouTube, the new one. Yeah. Oh really? Oh, I gotta check. This. Oh man, it's yeah. it's like so much I didn't even worse watch it. I, I already know than it any is. of the other it's ones, over, and over. they've always been hella cringe. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. this this one just uh, was was particularly bad. Is Logan Paul in it? No. Oh, no. The dead body. I no, I like that not. they were a little consistent and didn't uh, didn't put the uh, Paul brothers in this one because that would have been weird. Oh. Anyone who, who is remotely controversial um, doesn't show their face exactly. in YouTube Rewind. So even PewDiePie is not in it. Of course PewDiePie is not in it. Content creator. Of course yeah. PewDiePie is not in it. I don't think he's ever getting back mm-hmm. in. But, I mean... No, not now. That's fine. He's doing great. He's the dad of YouTube. Would if, if YouTube asked you to be a part of the Rewind, would you do it? No. <laughs> First of all, um, they never would. But I'd never do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it depends on the what they want because like i would love to try and sneak something in but you hear stories <laughs> of all these creators that are asked to go and they film for like hours and their whole part is just cut so it might just be a complete waste of time yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think i think if they asked me to do it i would respond back saying no thanks i'm gay enough already <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, this one took the cake for being the most pandering oh, yeah. nonsense, though. At least before, they were just sort of references and memes nonstop, you know, with, and they were dancing. But this one actually grinds itself to a halt to, like, talk down to the audience and be like, look, we're YouTube. We're super progressive, guys. I know. Don't forget about all the controversial stuff that's constantly happening 24-7 on our platform. We are all about giving a voice to the people, yo. We're hip mm-hmm. and cool. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's, it's Will Smith. Will Smith exactly. literally is not a YouTuber. He's not. Uh-huh. He's a fucking celebrity. That's hot. And he has a staff of people making videos for him. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, when I think YouTube, I think Will Smith. Yeah, John Oliver. Like, who the fuck? He's a, he has an <laughs> HBO show. He's not a YouTuber. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my God. It's It's really... I don't disagree with with these progressive ideas that they put into the videos, but 
the neither way that I. they do it, yeah, neither do I. it's not genuine. You know, yeah. they're, they're not real. It's like, this is what's is. marketable. This is what's trendy, so we're going to do it. There's nothing genuine, and they don't have actually anything to say. I understand it to a certain point, because they had all the bullshit with the advertisers last year, where, like, the advertisers pulled out because, you know, racists or whatever. There's something like that. Alt-right people. Was it, was it something like that? This has happened a myriad of different times. Yeah. Like, so the they're like, okay, time, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna push the progressive angle so that the advertisers are confident in YouTube and that it's not all just a bunch of fucking crazy people, you know. So I understand it, but at the same time, it's like, we, yeah, we all see through it. It's not real. Yeah. That's my biggest issue no, it's with not it. Real. It's, it's fucking fake as shit. Like you don't mean it's this, fake, and it's not YouTube. It's not YouTube. It's not what YouTube is or represents, and it's not what people enjoy about it. Yeah, but uh, Fortnite. So. <laughs> yeah. Fortnite, Fortnite. runs supreme. I saw a a good sort of summary of um the state of YouTube, which relates into this. Someone's just said, YouTube's trying to be like TV, and TV's trying to be like YouTube. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and that's it looks like a an advert you'd see on a shitty TV network, you know? Like it mm -hmm. it's fake, it's glossy, everyone's like a supermodel. You don't believe uh, a word yeah. they say. Well, there's been much better ones for for TV, that discovery one. Boom diada boom diada boom diada. Have you not seen that? The Discovery that. Channel? No, I haven't. Oh no, I haven't man, seen it's it. so good. No, I haven't ah. sadly. I'll check it out. Yeah, it's great. It's like the best one. But they have all these highly produced shows now trying to be like Netflix. And it's like, YouTube is not... That's not what I go to YouTube for. Yeah. I go to YouTube to see like some shit filmed on a camcorder. That's what I like. It's charming. Every every YouTube Rewind especially is just a healthy reminder that what we find to be relevant and popular and noteworthy on, on this platform is not at all what they consider to be, you know, be, be, because yeah. quite honestly, like we're people that watch a lot of stuff that you would see on the front page of Reddit, maybe, but that's not really the top YouTube market. It's a bunch of toy channels, a bunch of stuff for kids. You know, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. watch the YouTube yeah, rewind and you're like, the who platform. the fuck are these people? But this, it's not, I don't think that's all the popular stuff. I don't think that's all there is. Because uh, there's a huge audience of people who are, grew up with YouTube, and they're older now, and they yeah, watch stuff like us. Yeah, but there's more kids. Like, they have more free time. Oh, yeah, time. there's tons of kids, too. There's and I understand more. they have to market to the kids, because it, it pushes this friendly, look how friendly and progressive YouTube look is. At the but top there's channels. plenty of other stuff. Okay, but then you got Pootie Pie at the top. He's a fucking, he's a that's, nut job. Well, <laughs> Well, he's changed his content drastically, though. But he used to fit into that category, right? And yeah, that's the, that's the when biggest earner that's when he got on YouTube to number last one. year was like a seven-year-old. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, which yeah, kind of says it all. It's just a seven-year-old toy channel. It's the most profitable YouTube channel of last year. Yeah, but that's like, they, of course, they push that up because that's marketable. Like, oh, this but it's kid also has the most a toy popular. channel, and it's nice. 
Yeah, because they advertise it and push it up. Like they they probably have a deal with this kid. Like uh, we like you, so we're gonna give you we're gonna work the stats and the analytics so that you get more views and we'll push you up. No, you know? but then there's it's tons. Genuinely more popular. You have you can't underestimate how many little kids have so much more free time than all of us because they don't have jobs and all they're doing is mm-hmm. watching YouTube. And the population yes. is growing, you know, in mm-hmm. globally, I, I guess. I absolutely agree with you, but there's a huge audience for more mature content as well. Yeah, they just not nearly as big. Much. It's you insignificant. Have to look for it. Literally insignificant compared to big. these other channels. I, I wouldn't say insignificant. I'm in YouTube's of eyes. Watch people like H3H3 and, and Red Letter Media. Like, I know, I understand they're not getting tens of millions of views, but they get millions of views. <laughs> YouTube's scared of them. It's as simple as that. Yeah, well, okay. YouTube can't push them because then the the bullshit adpocalypse thing is going to happen again. I understand mm-hmm. it. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, YouTube. I do. I understand. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they're fucking stupid, but you know, it's a, a love good hate relationship. Yeah. I have a correction to make. Last episode. Oh, yes. I thought that the Charlie Kaufman project, I'm thinking of ending things, was the same as his other project where he wrote for Chaos Walking that he's not directing. Apparently, they're two different things, and that makes a lot more sense now. So, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of ending things is a thing that he's making that he's also directing, and so I'm very excited for that, and I hope it comes out next year. It doesn't have a release date yet, but that's my correction. That's one to look out for. Right it's after okay. we see the Avengers and the next Marvel project. Yeah. <laughs> Marvel, DC, Disney, <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> so, Ralph. Hi. Do I get a free copy of your movie now? Yeah, me. Um, no. <laughs> you can pay for it. <laughs> no, I'll send you guys a code. I want to watch it, but I don't want to support you. Okay, that's fine. I'll I'll send you the torrent link. Sweet. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you guys a free copy. I don't mind. How's that been going? I'm very good. We sold out in an hour, and uh, that was crazy. I was expecting to sell out maybe in a weekend, but we sold out in an hour. How I many was, like, copies crying. is that? Uh, it was in the triple digits. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Are you so sending the them all by hand? Yeah. That's going to take so long. Yep. Oh, we did it already. We sent it really? all out today. Yeah. Apparently, the the lady at the post office didn't fill out forms for the Canada shipping, so they might get theirs later. <laughs> but that all got fucked up. Some lady at the post office was an idiot. Yeah. But Canada like, yeah, Post we, is we on did it all ourselves. Right now too, so. And now we ordered hundreds more to to come in. It's it's been crazy to get these Blu-rays out. I didn't think that many people wanted to watch it. But yeah. It's Congratulations. Huge honor. I'm so happy. Thank you very much. You know, it's been it's been amazing getting this all out you know that's really cool i'm excited for you guys to watch it yeah i, I don't know i don't know if we should talk about it on the show because <laughs> i think we're all biased if you want we you know? can yeah we could we could i just i I'm, think people I'm would like us a way to. to talk about it yeah i bet people would but like uh, like if if you guys say you like it everyone's going to be like oh obviously they're biased if you don't yeah. like it i'm going to be hurt because i i genuinely like you guys <laughs> and i like your opinions so it's like if you're just fucking like oh the movie sucked to me wow. like, oh that's going to hurt my feelings which i don't think you're going to you're not going to think it sucks i i doubt that but yeah you can you expect know. me to be honest without being an asshole yeah mm-hmm. and then like the thing is too if you're critical of me and i'm like sitting here like i can't 
refute anything because if I do, I sound like a pretentious dick, and I <laughs> can't explain the meaning of the movie at all. You know, oh, like you I just I don't I don't see no I don't want to explain I I never explain my okay. own movies I never like doing that you know I just because I like like what uh, Charlie Kaufman said everyone coming up with their own interpretation is more interesting not that I'm Charlie Kaufman I know we're close but you know <laughs> it, it's it's uh yeah we'll see we'll see by uh, the time this comes out the the movie will be out already so people have their reviews out okay. Yeah, we yeah, can we'll uh, include a link in the description. People want to pick it up. Oh, cool! That'd be great. Thank you all. It, it's it's been <laughs> so amazing. Like I don't even care if people don't like it or not. Like I'm just so happy it got made, and that we all did it. I mean, fuck the amount of work I put into it. Like we had a whole crew and cast of people working their ass off on this, <laughs> and it's like amazing that it all got done. I'm just so proud of them. That's the thing about. You know, making something that you're passionate about is you're making it for yourself more than anybody. You know. Yeah, exactly. And we're we're all really happy with it. And to, the fact that we made it for ten thousand dollars is even more fucking outstanding. They they all took like pay cuts. You're a real Shane Carruth. <laughs> oh, thanks. Is that the guy who made um? Primer, Primer? and Upstream Color. Yeah. Upstream Color. He's always like super low color. budget. Yeah. I, I commend that. I think you could do some amazing things with very little money, especially mm-hmm. now. The cameras and stuff you can get now, really impressive mm-hmm. quality on them. Yeah, he filmed so, uh, yeah. Upstream yeah. Color on a uh, Panasonic Lumix GH2. Mm. I got a GH5 now for my Me next too. Thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah that, that's I'm a filming great my music camera. video on it. Oh, great. It's a It's an amazing camera. Yeah. For a, a lot of cool things with that, like reasonably priced digital camera. Mhm. I feel like that's where films are heading. Where like you can make a movie for so cheap because the quality is so good now. You can just release it on the internet for like ten bucks, and everyone will go see it. And it's your like uncompromised artistic vision, and people just watch it. You know, things like this used to cost fucking millions of dollars, and now they don't really. Mhm. So. Yeah, honestly. Um... When my album's out, like, I don't, if people don't like it, it doesn't really matter, you know? Yeah, Because I made I it for me, mm-hmm. and I'm happy mm-hmm. with how it's going before, so far. But, like, before I made it, I was like, I hope people like it, but, like, once it's done, you're like, wow, I, I fucking did it, and I'm so happy that it's out there, and people will get a kick out of it, and if they don't, whatever. Well, yeah, you know? and at the same time, you're not making something to appeal to the widest demographic possible. Right? Yeah, exactly. You're not uh you're not listening to uh all the people who don't want scars as on the main villain's face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the people will have like genuine criticism and I'll take that and I'll make something even better with it cuz I'm already working on something else and yeah. writing something else in the future. I want Alex to be a voice in um Golden Hour. There's a there's oh, a really? cat that needs a Brit- that. yeah, I need like a British voiceover for this cat. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so you'd be perfect. I'll, I'll find something for you to do, Adam, too. Great. Okay. <laughs> nice. I just need someone British. If I need a Canadian, I'll let you know. <laughs> Is it Hunt Down uh, yeah, the Freeman that. 2? Yeah, it's Hunt Down the Freeman 2. How'd you guess? I was very upset I was not um, awarded anything at the Game Awards for my parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Game Awards were a bunch of bullshit too. Like, like, <laughs> um, bullshit. 
Red Dead fucking won everything except Game of the Year. It's like, how does that work? Like, like best acting, best script, best music, best this, best that, and not the best game. Best game's God of War. But it, what the fuck was that? Why did Red Dead win all the other shit then? Well, yeah. And then Fortnite won, of course, too. I think the biggest takeaway is that uh, it's a furry takeover. A furry won the uh, <laughs> best... Uh, what was it? Game player? Get best... Oh, yeah. best uh, Sport, like e-sports player. Something? Yeah, something like yeah. that. Really? I didn't know this. He uh, he brought his fursuit and put on the head when he received the award. But he does that everywhere. He's, yeah, most people clapped, I think. Oh, good. Um, See? Yeah, his name's uh, Sonic Fox, and he's an insane fighting game player. Like, he totally deserves the award. He's one of the best players. And in his competitions, he'll wear the fursuit head. <laughs> <laughs> as a way of like i'm not sure if it's to like intimidate the other player but he's essentially giving himself <laughs> a handicap just you know yeah. visually and he still wins and it's pretty hilarious that's pretty impressive yeah but i feel like it would distract the other person too oh yeah like because they're just not used to that so what maybe that's fuck? that's kind of what it is too you're like oh what am i what, who am i playing against there's also uh i'm really happy that the dude who played arthur morgan won yeah, I was really happy. That guy that. was a fucking terrific actor. I, I loved going around the city as him, and you could like talk to people in the game. I, I would always just talk to people and antagonize them. That guy's an amazing actor. And the amount he must have had to record for that game. Just oh, yeah. hundreds of thousands of hours work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was really glad about that too. He was fantastic. Vengeance is a fool's game. <laughs> <laughs> I loved him. <laughs> So uh, we all watched a film that I recommended from last episode, and we're about to spoil the shit out of it. Although, I mean, can you really spoil this movie? Um, <laughs> you should watch it either way. Yeah, good point. <laughs> it's uh, it's my favorite movie ever made. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, even if you do hear this first, you should still watch it. The Holy Mountain, 1973, directed by Alejandro Jodorowsky. What did you guys think? Should I describe it? Should I attempt to describe it? It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess a little. I'd, I'd like to hear your um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. How, how you phrase it. It is uh, the closest <laughs> any film has ever gotten to presenting a religious spiritual experience. Um, it is a film that does not follow the rules of traditional filmmaking in any way, really, or traditional narrative structure. It is a unique, one-of-a-kind, crazy ride that I think is uh, kind of a masterpiece. Um, but it's not for everybody, that's for sure. I, I haven't heard of anybody that's ever been bored by this film, but I've heard of plenty of people that have been angry <laughs> watching this film or just yeah. frustrated from the experience because it is so different, I out guess. There. Yeah. yeah, out there is the word. What did you guys think of The Holy Mountain? It was great. <laughs> I, I great. fucking loved it. Yeah, I fucking oh, awesome. loved it. Yeah. I was at first. I was thinking, right. I'm, I'm a bit worried to watch this because I, I don't know. I literally have no idea what I'm in store for. Um, mm-hmm. And I, all I'd heard is that it's weird from your descriptions of it. You know. Um, yeah. 
But once you figure out what it's doing, it is just such a like mesmerizing experience mm-hmm. um, and not yeah. in a like superficial way. Um, it has a lot going on and I'm sure I missed a ton of stuff that um, I can't wait to hear Adam explain to me in a second, but I fucking loved like every second of it. It was not boring at all. Um, yeah. Quite unlike anything I've ever seen. It's impossible to get everything out of it. This is the second time I saw it and I still don't have everything. You can get like the general message of what it's saying but like I could tell when he was going into making this, Hodorowski is like, "This is gonna be my magnum opus." The mm-hmm. movie's about like the meaning of life, basically. Yeah. Like that's the thesis of it. Like like all these characters just trying to find the meaning of life or immortality. I guess that's how they say it. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's it's really like you know, it's a daunting task to make a movie like that and to watch it. And he fucking pulled it off so brilliantly. Even if you don't um, understand what's going on, like I just I admired the spectacle of it, mm-hmm. the amount of sets and extras and like exotic animals he he got into it. There's all kinds of like hippos and crazy birds that Camel. I'd never seen before. Camel, it's fucking crazy. The the giant like red tower. I don't know what the fuck that was. If they had to build that, or if they just found it somewhere. There's there's so much artistically going on technically that's just amazing. It's so oh. creative, yeah. Yeah, it's a film that even if you're not able to get any kind of a narrative out of it, or even if you're not able to interpret that much for it, all of the other factors of actual filmmaking. When it comes to the cinematography, the set design, the acting, the soundtrack, you know, like oh, yeah. the editing, the the you know the the atmospheric sounds, even if they're not a part of the soundtrack, like sound design, I mean, like everything about it is just so top notch. I feel mm-hmm. it's just a fantastic production, mm-hmm. and it's really funny too. Oh, like yeah. that's something people going into it don't expect is like, oh, mm-hmm. it's going to be this weird art film. But uh, like he has Alejandro Jodorowsky has a, s- a good sense of humor mm-hmm. and he doesn't take himself that seriously. So there's like lots of really funny, entertaining bits in it. And it's really clever how he makes fun of our culture and, you know, the bullshit like that. Yeah, it's he he he's said before something along the lines of he's not looking to make a film that feels realistic because he's looking to make a film he's you he's he's looking to have something that you could only get out of watching a film not trying Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. imitate reality to a t and i think that especially when it comes to presenting commentary through metaphor one of the best ways to do that one of the most effective ways is to present things in kind of a surrealist, absurdist way. Because you can take something from everyday life and show it in a film, but it's not really going to speak to people in such a way as effectively as showing an exaggerated version of that. So Mm -hmm. especially... we're so used to it. Exactly. Like, we've been conditioned to to reality and and when when you show something like the the entire second act is filled with these kinds of things where 
you know, you have the guy that's like, we're going to sell, we're going to sell people on the idea of a shelter. They don't need a home. They don't need a family. Uh, we're going to condition them to want this. And it's like, you can immediately understand what he's saying about society, what he's saying about business and, and greed. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, a lot of it, um, especially in the second act, is is fairly straightforward and obvious the the points that he's trying to get across like the the man who runs the cosmetic company who says we know that people want to be loved not for what they are but what they appear to be and so he's literally selling masks like like Mm -hmm. faces that people can buy to wear and be like i want to be somebody else and all these like exaggerated body features that that are put onto like their shins and you know their butt and yeah their abs and, and <laughs> the men have like of uh, artificial muscles and the women yeah it's have, it's a reflection like, the... of society that's not told mm-hmm. in any kind of literal way to really get through to people and and say this is how absurd it is yeah look how vapid and stupid you are that you're concerned with bullshit like this that you're getting Botox and and worrying about your hair and whatever bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's all it's all semantics. It's all nonsense. Yeah, that second act is just like a a total critique of basically every facet of humanity when it goes mm-hmm. from character to character. Yeah, it just it like highlights the absurdity of human existence in a way. You mm-hmm. know, and everything we well, fight for, argue over, love. You know. I saw it as the first part is like we, we're entering this absurdist world, which is like, you know, a mirror of what we do, obviously more absurd. But then he goes up that tower and we see like the people who control this world and manufacture all these like bullshit experiences that mm-hmm. that make us like just feed on our primal urges, sex and violence or whatever. And uh, I want to go through the planets because that was my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, I yeah, think um, I think that's my favorite part as well. It's where it really starts to to get into what it's trying to be. But don't yeah. you think the um the absurdity of it all makes the metaphors completely timeless? Like I was amazed yes. by how relevant this film is even today, despite exactly. it being made in the seventies. I thought that was really impressive. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost as if it's a vision into the future of where things could yeah. be if left unchecked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how I felt. Yeah, it's just the way we've always been. Like these few people control everything and create these bullshit experiences for us to distract us. And then like the second or I guess the third act of the movie is them trying to find some deeper meaning because they know that. All of that is just bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and then they can't find it either. They're, they're going on this like magical journey like, oh, I'm going to find immortality. I'm going to find meaning in life. And then the movie makes you feel like a fool for even thinking you could find meaning in this fucking movie. It's, it's amazing. It's perfect satire. It's exactly yeah. what good satire is. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant, really. And it's very profound. You know, beyond all the the silly, ridiculous, you know, old man with tiger tits shooting milk in a person, <laughs> the movie actually means something. Like, yeah, it's a great gift. But it, you know, it's not just all nonsense to to be artsy or whatever. It's not pretentious. It actually has something to say. Hmm. Well, I mean, like even we can even relate it to things we were talking about in this very episode. You know, we were mentioning mm-hmm. how. 
the heads of these studios are so detached from the actual work that's going on and they're making all the decisions. There's a direct example of that in the um, cosmetic company scene where he says, my father is yeah. the head of the company. He is deaf, dumb, and blind. And he consults <laughs> with uh, his, <laughs> the, the his like, yeah, the, the <laughs> dead mom's vagina. If it's moist, yes. Yeah. If it's dry, no. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just well, even what Jupiter. it is, you know? Jupiter's like the slimy businessman who's also the head of art manufacturer, and there's all the, the – they're painting butts on canvases. <laughs> and, like, that was all brilliant. That was literally just Hollywood. I think yeah. he was totally making fun of Hollywood there. I mean, it, it's not even so much that they're painting on onto people's butts and and that's where mm-hmm. the art is coming from. That's not really the the main takeaway from that for me it's the it's the idea of an art factory alone the the idea that they are mass producing art like what is art anymore you know if if it's Mm -hmm. an assembly Mm -hmm. line then what is it like they're they're pretending to be artful but it's really just vapid stupid products i mean you can really apply to anything same with like beautiful clothing or nice purses like they're still made by people in sweatshops for 10 cents so it's like how much of art is it really Mm-hmm. Well, and there was the other planet with the um, machine that was telling all the like governmental bodies, you know, what to yeah. do. Yeah, predicting <laughs> future wars so they can yeah. uh, indoctrinate Market children products. when they're young <laughs> yeah. to to become soldiers later. Yeah, that was fucking brilliant. Captain, Captain, and the Peruvian monster. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that was Saturn, right? Whichever. I don't. I don't remember the specific. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was Saturn. It was head. Saturn. Um, I loved Mars. They introduced Mars in the beginning is like, oh, it's going to be like this sensual, sexy planet. And then she gets out of that room after she makes love to her two girlfriends. And then she's like, I'm the manufacturer of weapons. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. fucking hilarious. We're, we're marketing to <laughs> Like a total Buddhist switch. And Christians. Yeah. Right, and it's like uh, all these showy, silly weapons, but like that's what we do too. Like I, I'm an American, I fucking love owning big, shiny guns. That's what we do. Yeah, it was <laughs> totally playing on that. It. it was hilarious. Yeah, fucking hilarious, hilarious. Yeah. We are experimenting with a drug that creates delusions of grandeur, just like <laughs> that. That shot alone is just like it's it's so disturbing watching these people stab themselves on the the bayonets. And like mm-hmm. the the editing in this film is just it 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 complements it so well. Like so many scenes mm-hmm. will be at the peak of of um, loud audio. Like the soundtrack is blaring, and then just like cut to the next part. You know, as if mm-hmm. as yeah. if the story is continuing despite us having moved on. It's just it mm-hmm. it's I I love it so much. Yeah, every element of it was so well done trying to think what else there's just so much to go through well we've been talking a lot uh, about the um the second act which is my yeah. favorite we could we could also talk about the first and the third yeah especially the opening Mm-hmm. i guess that's a good place to start the first act is um one that you know very clearly has some religious symbolism going on in it mm-hmm. and i feel like it kind of you know, tells the story about how man created Jesus. 
to, to kind of give a symbol towards their own agendas in a way. And we, we see mm-hmm. him being um, co-opted by the church. And we see that the image of himself is no longer something that he owns and that it's been taken from him. And he, ha- he has to give up that idea of himself because it's being used in ways that no longer apply to him or what he believes yeah and that's conveyed with basically no dialogue too oh yeah mm-hmm. the whole first act there's Which... like the only dialogue we get is like hey come drink with us drink it drink it yeah. and that's about it yeah it's more a critique of like i don't know religion but the institution of religion how we mm-hmm. take all these spiritual ideas and just kind of mass produce them <laughs> to mm-hmm. you know fulfill some some need it was great there's a there's like that priest character who's in it for a little bit and he's portrayed as like a drunk fool. Like mm-hmm. he's just laying in bed mm-hmm. and like he, he he seeks no refuge in this fucking showman. That's what he is. He's not really, he doesn't really give a shit about religion or anything. He's just some fool. I feel like this has one of the most gripping and intriguing openings of all time. Just Hodorowski cutting off the hair of these two girls. You know, and yeah. like the soundtrack works so incredibly well. Apparently, they didn't set out a call for actors. They just put out an ad saying, looking for two women who are looking for a spiritual experience. And he just put them <laughs> in the movie. Really? The no, guy that's, that's is like, Hodorowski is like a super spiritual person. I wouldn't consider myself to be one. But like a bunch of famous directors, including... Nicholas Winding Refn have gone to him to get tarot card readings. I don't oh, know really? if you saw that I, I included a clip of of this in um, I made like a parody video of the song Roxanne by the police where I was talking about uh, Nicholas Winding Refn using red lights too much in his films. And um, yeah. <laughs> I included the clip where uh, Winding Refn's wife got a tarot card reading from Hodorowski and and Hodorowski just straight up said that she should divorce Nicholas. <laughs> That's hilarious. So you're saying I, I should divorce him to be free? Yes. It was really funny. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, it's. Well, what'd you see the opening representing? Oh, the opening of the that specific opening. Yeah, well, like the opening of this film, where you have these two women, and they're basically stripped of everything. Their their hair, their jewelry, their clothing, and then Hodorowski just makes them hug him. <laughs> what did that mean? <laughs> I, I think I got a sense of it. But... It's it's. I think that it's all kind of in line with the idea of stripping away identity. Like, that seems to be yeah. the most common theme of the film. Even, you know, we see it in the first act with the identity of the Jesus figure, who is apparently also supposed to represent the fool card, tarot card. Um, mm-hmm. But, but you know, the, obviously the religious symbolism is there, and we see that the identity of who he was is no longer his, and it's it's something that people have taken for themselves. And we see later in the film, obviously in the, the third act, that same idea comes into play, stripping away your identity. What does it mean to be you? What does it mean to to want, to own, to feel, etc.? And I think that, you know, the the opening, the the first sequence of the film 
having these these women be completely naked and taking their hair away from them is kind of just in line with that kind of central yeah. theme not necessarily it that very well yeah. yeah like i took it as the, that's the audience like the the filmmaker literally Todorowsky <laughs> is god in the movie and he's uh he's stripping them of everything they are and their identity and just mm-hmm. saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna find deeper meaning, not in these silly your clothing and your hair, whatever this bullshit. Let's try to find something deeper beside that. You know, there's a lot of naked people in the movie too, which further emphasizes that. There's the people at the end, all the planets, all the people who represent the planets, and they all just throw their money into the fire because despite all that material wealth they have, it means fucking nothing. It didn't give them any greater purpose or understanding of the universe. You know. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's all bullshit. And so they all go on this, like, horrific journey. <laughs> yeah. At the end. To, to achieve immortality means to strip away everything that makes you yourself, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the ending is what really stands out to me. It, is, it might be one of my favorite endings to a film of all time. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I can't I believe how poignant it is. You're just not mm-hmm. expecting it at all, and it's like, you really played us there, man. Like that is just such a a perfect end to this story. Like and yeah. and again, really ahead of its time, forward thinking. Like everything's breaking the fourth wall now, you know, in movies and whatnot. And they they don't really understand what can make it so powerful. And this is such a great example of how mm-hmm. to use a technique like that to yeah. just leave a person speechless. I I love that ending so much. It's so brilliant. Yeah. Is this reality? No. Yeah. It is a film. Zoom back <laughs> Zoom camera. Back camera. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, it was great. I um I kind of interpret the ending, you know, because he's like, We are images. We must not stay here. And you know, he 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 brings across this idea of how they're characters in a film and he says, I think the last line of the film is, uh, goodbye to the holy mountain, real life awaits us. And I think that that's yeah. kind of like, mm-hmm. in some ways, trying to communicate to the audience, not just like, okay, the film is over and, you know, go back to your lives, but also to kind of take the ideas presented in this film and apply them to your lives in a way. Yeah. And, you know, almost a, a, as if it's some sort of, warning that if people aren't thinking about these kind of things then you know in some years in the future this is kind of where society is headed you know it's exaggerated but in many ways as you already said it's it's so incredibly relevant and timeless Mm -hmm. it's a lot like brave new world that's what reminded me of where you have like this futuristic society just you know, we feed on our primal urges. We all have sex. We all have drugs all the time. We all just watch entertainment. And there's, you're not going to find meaning in life through any of those things. And like the, the only character who really finds, I guess, the, as close to happiness as you can is like the Jesus like character who just mm-hmm. goes off with the prostitute and the chimp and like, go be happy, find love. You know, like like this this need for all these characters to find immortality and find meaning in life. It's just it's futile because mm-hmm. maybe there isn't. You know. Yeah. That was very profound. Uh, yeah. I, I I sort of interpreted the ending in a in a way where like not necessarily 
what are the words again? Like your life now begins or whatever. Uh, goodbye no, to the holy mountain. Real life awaits us. Yeah, I kind of saw it as kind of encapsulates that grass is always greener. You know, wasting all your time looking for answers, kind of idea. When I saw it as more of a you you are you are living your life now. You don't have to mm-hmm. waste away trying to find answers for everything. It's okay to not have answers to some things, you know? Like mm-hmm. find find value in, in what genuinely satisfies you and yeah. don't find find your own meaning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what purpose. I took away from it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like it's brilliant. It's really just profound and, and like yeah, not many movies leave you feeling just that genuine like, wow, I actually feel like I got something out of that and I learned something. And I'm just gonna, you know, it's it sat with me after mm-hmm. I watched the yeah, first. Yeah, it, like, it does. It does genuinely feel like a spiritual experience. Like, yeah, no joke. It actually does feel like that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you sit down. You're like, I'm worrying about all this bullshit, but why? Like, it's all it's all semantics. Don't don't worry about it. You'll find you'll find meaning and purpose in life. It's not a big deal. <laughs> it's you know, it, it's really great. And it can and it shows what you can become if you do devote your life to something as trivial as. You know, the things that they mock themselves mm-hmm. within the yeah. movie, you know? Like, look, they have all this wealth and all this power. They're controlling all these people. And what do they have? They're just as empty and meaningless as yeah. the people they're fucking controlling. You're not yeah, going to exactly. find anything in that. Yeah. Clearly, they it's haven't found fun. satisfaction in their own lives. And that's no, not just... That's why they give it all up. Yeah. Because it didn't give them anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, there's very few films out there that I would actually call profound, and this is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. It's something that I think everybody should see, even if it's not for everybody. It's it's something that I definitely. really feel like everyone should at least try watching all the way through. Yeah, I'd like to watch it on drugs one day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it me, I watched it, it both times sober. Like, it made me feel like I was greening out. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of made me feel like that too. <laughs> like, is this real? Am I watching a real fucking movie? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially the beginning, because the beginning, like, you don't have any idea where it's going or what the point of it is. So you're just watching fucking crazy shit. Like, yeah. I don't know what the fuck this is, but I'm going to go along with it. I, I discovered this movie I when I was living at my parents' place. Um, every once in a while, my brother's, one of my brother's friends would bring over some, like, crazy weird movie. I guess they were, like, really into art house stuff. And um, I was in my bed sleeping and the room with the TV was right outside. And um, so I wasn't actually watching it. But I heard just the scene where the main character wakes up and all of these 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 figures of him, those copies that they made, plaster, whatever, whatever they're made out of plaster. He wakes up and uh, just starts screaming at the top of his lungs and just hearing that alone i remember laying in bed and i was thinking like i have to see this movie and so the next day it was still it was still there it was like a dvd rental so i just popped it in and watched it and and uh i've loved it ever since and like holy crap i mean like the way that this story is told and and through through this like surrealist absurdist kind of approach it really helps bring opportunity for those kinds of scenes where you can literally have somebody screaming at the top of their lungs and it's so powerful and effective, but it doesn't have to make like a specific narrative sense for it to exist in the film. 
And so mm-hmm. you see him mm-hmm. literally like from the first scream, his entire like top half of his body is turning red. He's completely just pouring everything out of him in this performance. And it's just it's so insane. Yeah, the performances are great in it. I loved all the people who played the planets. I mean, it takes a lot of courage, too, to get naked and do the crazy shit they do in this. So I commend all the actors for that as well. Tons of nudity. Tons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's none of it's sexual or anything. It's all very... I think it's tasteful. Yeah, it didn't feel exploitative in any way, you know? No. Basically, this film was made after El Topo, which is a film that was fairly popular because the Beatles really shouted it out. And so everybody was watching El Topo because the Beatles loved it so much. And um, George Harrison wanted to play the lead in this film, The Holy Mountain. And he was about to, but uh, he had an issue with the uh, anal washing shot. And was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have my anus washed on camera. And Hodorowski is like, no, but uh, if you can show the world that you don't need an ego to do this and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so, you know, eventually it was just like, okay, well, it's not going to work out. And later Hodorowski says, yeah, you know, I probably could have brought a lot more people to watch this film if George Harrison was in it. <laughs> yeah. And we easily could have used a double. So... Maybe I should have just yeah. used a body double for that scene. <laughs> but. but it shows how committed he is to his vision. That oh, he's yeah. not willing to compromise with that shit mm-hmm. at all. Like, no, you're getting your asshole washed or you're not going to be in the movie. <laughs> I commend that. I really respect that. I'm kind of glad he's not. It wasn't. Well, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it would have been distracting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like the main actor of this film did a terrific job anyway, so. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. every Everybody that appears in this film is just like you said it's it's very brave from their performances and they are yeah you know aligned with the the film's themes they are stripped away of their identity in in a sense you know they're literally naked exposing themselves uh-huh. they're, they're going on the journey that the characters are going through yeah like these are real actors these are guys who are committed to their craft you hear that kevin hart yeah, <laughs> won't, even play, won't even play a gay guy. <laughs> you think he'd do this shit? Nope. Absolutely not. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. the Holy Mountain with Kevin Hart. Just <laughs> trying to imagine that. Yeah. Do you have a note down about how the director nearly had his head chopped off for real? Yeah, I and watching the <laughs> oh, film, really? it's uh, it's interesting to 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 think about that because it doesn't look like it didn't look like there was ever no. any kind of point where that could have happened but apparently the actor swung a little too hard and apparently it was a real sword or something <laughs> like <laughs> cut off my head it like really injured his neck yeah yeah but it looked so fake that's what i don't understand <laughs> like yeah. it was so supposed to it was like this ridiculously large sword <laughs> you're supposed to like laugh your ass off at it but i didn't know it would actually pose a threat to the yeah that's apparently you nearly died oh my god <laughs> what was your uh, favorite set uh, oh, it, I got it's got to be the uh, yeah. It was the orgasm robot. Yeah. Oh my god, that was that excellent. That was so one. impressive. I was yeah. totally blown away by that scene. Mhm. And then the baby came out of it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
was fucking amazing. <laughs> but like he goes to the extreme with that. Like at first it's like oh it's a it's a robot, but then it all opens up and the fucking cum comes out of it's the, so the brown. Yeah. yeah, it's so elaborate and just ridiculous. You're like oh my god, they really went to the the nth degree with it. My it's chauffeur hilarious. is a bad lover. <laughs> <laughs> Frigid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree, Ralph. My favorite set is the Rainbow Room. It's It looks just so fantastic. It's just so mesmerizing. It doesn't mm-hmm. look real. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that they, they did all of this without CGI or any kind of modern technology, it, and it still looks so bizarre. Like, there's even that shot from the ceiling where the camera rotates, mm-hmm. and they're, like, sitting down, and, the, like, the whole room is spinning. It doesn't look real. Yeah, it's, I was going to ask, do you guys know how they did that shot? Well, they, I guess they just built the set and then rotated the camera on top. But, like, the, those sets are so well-made that you can't see through the seams at all. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, it would just be a perfectly measured and cut-out gigantic circle. And from what I can tell, the outside of this... So the circle was in one place, and then the outside of the set was rotated, is what it looks like mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And so you have the camera stationary uh, yeah, from yeah, the top yeah. and then the outside of the set is rotating so that Oh, you uh, think so? Yeah. You don't yeah. think they rotated the camera? Um no, I think I I believe that they rotated the outside of the set and also cuz oh, you can sense, when yeah. they're um when they're walking around the um around the circle and we see the shot uh kind of at their eye level, you can see a little bit of a, sh- a shake in the camera implying that the camera is on the the piece that's moving and the camera was oh, attached to okay. the wall at that point so that's what it seems like to me wow that's just amazing like you you just don't know watching it and you don't really care because you're just so mesmerized by it you're like oh i'm i'm totally with this i, I just wanted to mention how much i loved uranus he was a fucking great. <laughs> like it was a great um like Berg. His his whole thing was just weird. Yeah, Berg. He was just weird and funny and pathetic. And I loved his <laughs> wife character on the toilet. That that was a great set too. <laughs> yeah. Not as elaborate, but it's still funny as hell. Well, I I mean, I I think that it serves a purpose cuz he's like as soon as the line comes in, I'm financial advisor to the president. It's like, oh, you have a yeah. serious job with real responsibilities. He didn't even finish creating <laughs> the report. It's like, oh, they need the report no. right away. Okay, I'm going. And then he just goes up to the president and says, like, we need to eliminate however many millions of citizens in the next five years. It's like, okay, you didn't even finish the report. <laughs> and you're perfectly comfortable just saying, like, okay, all the like five million people need to die right now to save the, the country's economy, right? And it just so, yeah. shows how, like soulless and detached a lot of these people making those kinds of decisions are mm-hmm. you know whether soulless it's and detached like and stupid sending That's people off to war that just you know stupid. like uh-huh. it's, people don't give a shit about human life mm-hmm. i mean it was like the collapse of the economy in the u.s around oh, i forgot when it was 2008 like all these wall street people mm-hmm. and the the housing market people they fucked over everybody and they didn't give a shit they knew what they were doing they didn't give a mm-hmm. fuck and then all these people paid the price for it, and they didn't. They got bailed out <laughs> by the government. It's just show- – yeah. It's it's literally timeless because this stuff just keeps happening over and over. Mm-hmm. And we don't – we seem to never learn our lesson. Like, we just keep doing it. Yeah. I really love the, uh, the sequence where Axon's police force 
beat up the protesters and it's yeah. all done in in such a an absurdist way where it's like they're ripping out like a watermelon in front of the, the guy's stomach and like pieces of sausage yeah. and and like literally just spraying them with with fake blood and throwing buckets of blood at them mm-hmm. and oh, I love it so much because it's like it gets the idea across and it doesn't need to look realistic and if it tried yeah, to exactly. look realistic it probably would have looked much worse but it's self-aware mm-hmm. and it's like okay well it's not trying to look exactly how this would be but you get it you know it's it's so powerful and then all the officers like bow down to him and pray to him after that like he's a god or something yeah like they have no like they don't think for themselves they, they just got no blindly balls. follow this guy yeah they got no balls what'd you guys think of the uh pantheon bar there's all those people that are trying to convince them to stay and get drunk and do drugs and read poetry and and all that. Honestly, so much happens in the film, and I'm still kind of processing it all. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, great scene. I, yeah, yeah, fantastic scene. I love, I love the guy uh, who's like, "Wait for me, I, I will traverse the holy mountain." Whoop. <laughs> How long until you reach the, the summit? Through matter. Oh no, I can only traverse horizontally. <laughs> he so was my funny. favorite. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's great. I specifically yeah. noted him down because I loved it so much. <laughs> yeah, he's the best. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the craziest movies ever made, and and you know, like you said, like so many different sets. Like, the set design in this film, even if they had only used half the amount of sets, would still be amazing. But there's so yeah. many of them, and it's constantly changing. Like, this film is mm-hmm. not... It's not just timeless, but it's its its everywhere. It, like, it, it feels like it has no central place where any of this takes yeah. place. It's like it exists everywhere at once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so fast-paced that, like, even if you're yeah. not entertained by one thing, it goes to the next thing immediately. Like, yeah, and that was good. that was impressive too, you know. Not not just the scale of it, but just how much, <laughs> like you said, Adam, just how many different sets and extras and people he had to get to get this whole fucking thing, thing together. It's magnificent. It's like what movies were made for. Incredibly brilliant. Are we done? Are we going to go to the rating now? Yeah, I guess so. Um, apparently, the Holy Mountain. Just from a Google search, it said it cost seven hundred fifty thousand U.S. Wow. wow. It was filmed in Mexico, so things were cheaper. Yeah, they they pay those people less. And also inflation, but still, Mm -hmm. like, that's ridiculous. It's impressive. Are there any stories about the, sorry, the uh, animals? Because we briefly mentioned them, but, like, they got some dangerous-ass animals in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Where do they get Walking around with a tiger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how do you train them? There were like two animal trainers in the credits. That's what it said. I'm like, <laughs> you got two animal trainers for all these fucking different birds and a hippo and a elephant. And it's like, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> God bless them. It's a masterpiece, I think. So it is. I guess uh, that about wraps it up. We could talk. I mean, if we were talking about like individual shots and scenes, we would go on for fucking hours because there's yeah, just so much. Oh and... yeah, and just the meaning of everything. Yeah. We barely right. touched on, like, the first third of it, too. <laughs> There's, like, a lot of symbolism going on there. Like, the shit mm. with the, the play with the frogs and how they were all exploding. <laughs> like, we didn't even touch on that. That was brilliant, too. 
The uh... Well, the prostitutes, and then the, the guy comes in with his eye. He takes his eye out of his socket and puts it in the uh, girl's yeah. hand. Like, what the fuck was that? The, the soldiers slow dancing with the common worker. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So much. And, like, that's what I love about it is, is like, every image that Hodorowski includes in the film, even if you don't fully understand it, and even if you don't take away some sort of grandiose, deeper meaning from it, you can tell there's something there. Like, he, he very clearly mm-hmm. is expressing himself in a way where he is putting his blood, sweat, and tears into this project, and, and he is himself, you know, is essentially exposing himself and, and being naked for this film. He's taking mm-hmm. things that are very clearly a part of himself and a part of how he feels and translating them into visual metaphor. And I, I think that he's one of the best directors at doing exactly that. And there's so many films and, and directors that try to do that and they try to make something where, where it's like, oh yeah, this is a metaphor and this is different and you're supposed to like it because it's weird kind of thing. But oftentimes it just feels so fake. It doesn't feel genuine. Yeah. You know, it feels really because there's nothing under the surface. Yeah. They have yeah. nothing to say. And like like even the fact He's literally playing God in the movie, and that could be really pretentious. I think mm-hmm. like M. Night Shyamalan in Lady... What's that movie? Lady in the Water? Yeah. It's called some bullshit like that where he's like the writer who saves the world or whatever. And like that could easily be the case for this, but it, it fits thematically that he's God in it, or or I guess it's called the alchemist, right? Yeah. He says he's the alchemist, but it's I think it's clearly supposed to be God. Yeah. yeah, even that wasn't pretentious. It, it had purpose to it. He is he is the master that is teaching his disciples, or but he's yeah. he's the master that is teaching everybody in the film how to live your life mm-hmm. and you know how to strip away your identity and and yeah. what you should value. And he's teaching us literally. Yeah, that's exactly what result. he's doing in the film uh-huh. and outside of the film through the film. Uh-huh. And then at the end, he says, "I don't have." any greater meaning i'm just the director of this movie mm-hmm. and that's like you know the most humble thing you can say mm-hmm. and that's what makes it so profound that's what makes it not this pretentious art piece but something like you know brilliant truly yeah. brilliant and profound somehow it says so much and it's not preachy you know yeah and it's under two hours there's movies i see that are three hours long that don't convey the shit that he's doing in this yeah it's it's fantastic all right. Well, I'm All right. <laughs> very glad that you both enjoyed it and very glad that uh, you were both able to get some deeper meaning out of it and yeah. truly experience my favorite movie. Obviously, I'm giving it a uh, 10 out of 10. Is it like huh. a 2 out of 5? It's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Alex. Okay. <laughs> I mean, That's uh, my rating. <laughs> fuck off. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it's five out of five, yeah, obviously. I mean, we've been sucking this movie's dick for, what, know, 40, like, 50 minutes. Like, obviously, it's perfect. But yeah. I was, yeah, I was honestly blown away. I wasn't sure what to expect, as I said, but it's art in its truest form. You know, it's honest, unfiltered, funny, scary, creative, colorful, um, emotional, uh, complicated, yet simple, confusing, yet mm-hmm. poignant. And almost most importantly, incredibly entertaining from beginning mm-hmm. to end. So uh, five out of five for me. Mm-hmm. Dang. And it's universally relatable, too. Like, I feel like anyone anywhere in the world can watch this and relate to it. 
because I think we all struggle with these same things. And the fact that he was able to encapsulate that is is it shows how talented he is. Mm-hmm. So God bless. Keep making movies. You probably don't listen to this, but <laughs> 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 yeah, good job. Thanks, Hodorowski. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. And thanks for recommending it. I'm glad I finally got around to seeing it. Yeah, thank you, Adam. No problem. I'm always yeah. happy. Even to... Even the first time I saw yeah. it, I saw it because you you told me to because you said it was good. Mm-hmm. So thank you. All right, time for some questions. Question time. Let's do it. Okay. So, uh, hey, you in the audience listening right now, if you want us to answer one of your questions, head over to the Sardonicast Reddit, where Ralph has probably stuck a thread at the very top where we will answer the best and brightest questions from the community. Um, so we'll start this week with uh, one here from D. Gagaga. Oh, these names, <laughs> I swear to Christ. In your opinion, what is the most important aspect of a movie? Example, the writing, directing, acting, or even something I'm missing? I think it's all important. It's, that may yeah. sound like a bullshit answer, but like, if one of those things is off, the product suffers. <laughs> I don't think there's anything going more for. or less important. Yeah, it depends on that too, yeah. Because, you know, a, a film like, I don't know, Doubt is essentially just a stage play that's converted into a film. So obviously the most important aspects are going to be writing and performance. Mm-hmm. You know, there's it really depends what you're going for. In a film like Blade Runner 2049, it's, it's going to be like directing cinematography, special effects, and soundtrack. It, it, it really depends on what kind of film you're making. There are examples of films where a single element can can help it kind of ride through. Uh, something like The Man from Earth. It's like it's you. It's completely the writing and nothing else. It's shot like a mm-hmm. made-for-TV movie and has you know questionable performances, but the writing's really great. Mm-hmm. The the better you can make each element, obviously, the better the film will be. But uh, it really depends. And I I would say if anything, the most important aspect would be intent. Yeah, just having an idea helps as well because it's so obvious when films are made without you know they, they just exist to be a product yeah we see we see a lot of that um so we just get a ton of like total garbage scripts that are just shat out of hollywood you know mm-hmm. yeah so or, or to criticize like the more artistic people who make movies sometimes they make a movie just for the sake of making a movie and you're like okay so why the fuck did you make that what was the point of it and they don't yeah. even know yeah. that's bullshit too so I guess you're you're right. Having intent and purpose and an, and an idea is probably the most important thing. Yeah, the difference between having something to say and trying to have something to say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's okay. what makes movies interesting. Is like you have your life experience and you have something to tell us, a story to tell us, to teach us a lesson. You know, and and it's like so tell us that you don't have to fucking like search for some meaning because you want to sound profound. You you have something inside you to say. Just say it already. Mm-hmm. You know. I think that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Raspy Rees has a question here, saying, "Are there any examples of films you think would work better as TV shows, or vice versa?" Um, I have one. If you guys are, want to have a little think. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually mentioned it earlier in the show, but um, instead of The Walking Dead being a infinite 
currently running 78 season long TV show, I would have liked to have seen a trilogy of movies all written and directed by Darabont. Um, that would have been my cool. Pick yeah. for this answer. That would have yeah. been very cool. Yeah. The uh, Haunting of House Hill or whatever it's called definitely should have been a two hour long movie. And that was just so much fucking time was wasted in that show. Uh, didn't mm, need to be yeah. 10 hours at all. Just a lot of blue balling. Uh, Netflix <laughs> wanted it to be a, a series so they could make more money and keep it going. Yeah. Instead of just a, being a lot good. of Netflix shows do that, don't they? Yeah, they like take movie ideas and like, oh, can you make it ten episodes? <laughs> it doesn't. You don't need to. Some things just work better in two hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm having a hard time thinking of one. It's yeah. like if you're in love, if you're in love with the world, you should make uh, like a TV series out of it. But if it's the actual plot itself that's interesting, um, you know, make it a movie. Uh, the like, Buster Scruggs would have been a good TV show. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Could have been a co- cool miniseries. Nymphomaniac would have worked better as a miniseries than a two-part movie, I think. Yeah. yeah. Like I think I feel character studies work very well in like a long form because you just have more time to explore that character's life, and you know you can even go through multiple years and and track that. I don't know. I can't think of one. <laughs> Tunisum says, what is the best movie that has been recommended for Sardonicast? The only criteria is that you can't have recommended it yourself. Ah, fuck. (laughs) Fantastic Planet is mine. Mine would be The Holy Mountain. Okay. Um, Barry Lyndon. Cool. Nice. Easy. Very nice. Yeah. Gotcha. (laughs) Have you ever (laughs) been to a location... That was used in a film, and if so, which location um, is your favorite? Uh, Gettysburg. That's where they shot the movie or the TV series, rather Gettysburg. <laughs> and there's a okay. lot of interesting history there. Gettysburg is a fucking cool place to be. And the best part is, uh, we went on a ghost tour, and they were telling us about this fucking dude who was like a soldier or something, and how he was haunting whatever. And then later, we went to the cemetery, like me and my dad went, and the second we stepped in there, we saw his grave, and we were like, holy fuck, is this, is this him trying to contact us from the <laughs> grave? Yeah, so Gettysburg is a cool place. Um, you been anywhere, Adam? I live in Vancouver. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of movies. Um, yeah. The question said movies or TV shows, right? Or is it just movies? It said film, but whatever. I mean, we can accept both. I went, I went to the Rivoli when I was in Toronto, which is a uh, location used in the show Nirvana: The Band, The Show. Which, if you haven't seen it, please watch <laughs> it. It's hilarious. At TIFF, the theater that I watched The Shape of Water in is the same theater that was in the movie, which was kind of cool. Oh, really? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. The uh, Elgin, I think, in Toronto. Yeah, I don't know if I have any other examples. I went to Fort Edmonton Park, and that was in Assassination of Jesse James, and I was an extra in that movie, so... Oh, you were? I gotta look for you. No, I'm not in it. I definitely definitely didn't make the cut. (laughs) Oh, that sucks. (laughs) But I was on set, so that was cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I I was on the Forrest Gump bench, too. That was pretty cool. I went to Disneyland. That was in Escape of Tomorrow. 
or Escape <laughs> yeah, from Tomorrow. I feel like there's just a. I've been to all the studios like Sony and uh, Columbia, or I guess they're the same thing, Warner Brothers, and I've been on all those sets. I guess that counts. I've been to a lot of the places they've shot various um, scenes in Harry Potter. I, oh. I live I live near I know it's such a cliche but I live near um like a lot of cathedrals and uh, I live near a place called Laycock which uh, is very picturesque um mm-hmm. so they send a lot of film crews there for a bunch of stuff um I wouldn't say I have a favorite I was actually really disappointed when I went to the cathedral because it's like literally a two second shot from the film and it's like oh okay I guess this is where they they film that one whatever. <laughs> Cool. Going to Disneyland after watching Escape from Tomorrow was actually hilarious. Just having right. those scenes in mind from the film. It's just like, wow, <laughs> oh, yeah. this is a totally different experience. <laughs> you see through the, the seams in it. Yeah. Speaking of Harry Potter, iHuff707 says, Since the new Fantastic Beasts came out, my question is, do you guys like Harry Potter at all? What are your opinions on it? And have That's you seen fine. them? And what's your favorite Harry Potter movie? The 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 Fantastic Beasts movie, the, the first one. That's the only one I saw. That movie fucking Have you sucked. Seen? It's yeah. So boring. But the yeah, Harry Potter ones are okay. Uh, I like the Alfonso Cuarón one the best. The third one. Yeah, I feel Which like that's that? gonna be everyone's answer. The that's yeah. the third one. Mhm. What's yeah. that Half the Dead Prince, pris- Order of n- Phoenix. What the fuck? <laughs> the pris- Prisoner of Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban. That's it. I've definitely seen all the Harry Potter movies, but I forget them as soon as I watch them. I think I watched them with my cousin because she was really into them. So, But it's like, they're just so forgettable for me. Uh, they're not my kind of thing, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So okay. The only one I remember is the is the Alfonso Cuarón one. Um, yeah. All the other ones. Are, I'm going to say that I one's my favorite, even though I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this one with the werewolf and the going through time thing. It's pretty don't cool. they all do that? Don't they all no. have werewolves and going through time? I thought I thought like Americans and Canadians loved Harry Potter. Yeah, some of us do. I like how J.K. <laughs> Rowling is deciding now that all of her characters are gay and <laughs> whatever. <laughs> After the fact, Hermione's in a wheelchair. Yeah, progressive hindsight. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. We all see through it. Here's a juicy one. Um. Damanasia says, "What to you makes a movie cheesy, and where do you draw the line between good cheese and bad cheese?" Oftentimes, I find it cheesy when the soundtrack is trying to convey an emotion that the film itself is not earning. That usually gets mm. pretty cheesy. Otherwise, I would say just really forced dialogue in Interstellar, mm. where she's talking about love. Yes. That's mm-hmm. cheesy. Or like That's literally addictive. saying the point of the movie is very cheesy. Like in that instance. <laughs> or saying the title. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, saying the title. That's a big one. What are we, some Although, kind of Suicide um, Squad? Yeah, that's about it. Uh, <laughs> Inception did that that's pretty the best well. One. <laughs> God. Well, what makes it? What makes good cheese then? If the movie itself is cheesy, if the whole thing yeah. is cheesy, then it's fine. If it's not trying to take itself too seriously. Yeah, if it's a comedy or if it's like a parody, like um, I'm trying to think Starship Troopers or something, we're like, oh yeah, they they all have cheesy, over-patriotic dialogue because cause that's the point. Intentionally cheese. 
Right. Intentionally cheesy. Yeah, I guess it's the the intent, isn't it, of the filmmaker? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the tone. Like, if it's a fun movie, then cheese can can be fine. But if it's a super serious movie, then you probably don't want a lot of cheese in that. Mm -hmm. It enhances the experience if it's cheesy and there's a cheesy moment with cheesy music. (laughs) We just said the word cheese about 50 times. Cheesy, cheesy, cheese. (laughs) Cool. It's been it's been fun. <laughs> I have a movie to recommend. What? Yeah. Really? It's my turn, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know. So I saw the favorite recently, which is a great period piece, and it put me in the mm. mood for a period piece. So I'm going to recommend Amadeus from 1984 about Amadeus Mozart, directed oh, by Milos Forman. It's fucking awesome. I've mentioned it before on here. You guys said you haven't seen it. Right? Yeah, I don't think so. I haven't, no. No, I haven't. Great. Okay. You guys enjoy. You'll love it. Amadeus, Amadeus. Okay. Perfect. Cannot wait. It's it's number 80 on the top 250. On what? Of IMDb. Uh, Who cares then? (laughs) IMDb. Isn't isn't number one Black Panther? Well, I mean, when you're gone, if any anything pre-2008, you can usually trust to be something, yeah, you're right, you're something right. good on the list. Anything 2008 and after, no. There's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's when, it's when the general public started using IMDb. Normies. Yeah. Number 50 is Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> yeah. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Is Holy Mountain on there? No. No. Yeah. That's but it's not for it's everybody. Not epic. It's not yeah. epic enough. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, it doesn't have uh, superheroes in it. Yeah. It's got <laughs> Jesus. I guess he's kind of a superhero. Jesus is my superhero. That's right. God's not dead. And he's truly alive. <laughs> I still got to see the third one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Good luck. Thanks. I'm really enthused about that. Uh-huh. I can't wait. <laughs> you should make a film anyway. called God is Dead. <laughs> yeah. One day. We'll see. All right. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode of Sardonicast. Uh, we got some new merch. Still in time for Christmas, probably, if you want to get some T-shirts. Um, if you want to support the show otherwise... Uh, $2 a month gets you these episodes early as they're edited before they're public. Uh, Sardonicast.com, sign up for premium, or go to patreon.com slash Sardonicast. It'll do the same thing. Thank you very much, and uh, I hope I hope that you have a profound spiritual experience in your life. Because mm-hmm. just watch the, the movie mountain. and you will, man. Yeah, just watch the Holy Mountain. Green out to the Holy Mountain. Yeah, you can smoke weed watching that movie for sure. Yeah, it's. I think it's made for that. Next time I watch it, I'll try that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although watching it sober is is enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get more than enough scary. out of it. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, bye. Bye.